Before we get back to the episode, we wanted to announce new for this season, we've decided to sign up to Patreon. We feel this is the best way to allow fans of the podcast and all we do on our social medias and website to show us support if they wish. All money generated will go back into the podcast to try and make things even better. We've decided to launch three tiers. Basic support for a pound a month, just your way of saying a little thank you. Supporter at £3 a month, this is a bit more of a thank you. And you'll also get a chance to join our private social media group with a few more perks on the way. And finally, Super Supporter, £4.50. This is a tier where you'll get automatically entered into all giveaways and get special promo codes from our growing partners. You'll also, if you want, be able to have more of a say on actual episodes and interviews, etc. And of course, get to meet us and see how things work behind the scenes here at Rams Review. As the Patreon grows, the rewards will grow and all episodes will always remain free. Sign up now at patreon.com, Rams Review Podcast. Thank you very much. This is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussions, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby Kent. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast. It's Corey along with you. I hope you've been enjoying the closed season uh, content that we've been having. We had a in sit-down interview with Andy Appleby. We had a conversation with Phil Brown. And then Jason last week spoke to the 11th-ranked football manager player in the world uh, about how preseason was going. But as the new season is upon us, dawning here just in a couple of weeks, um, we are recording this ahead of Derby's final preseason fixture against Sheffield United. Uh, but we did want to kind of recap it as a kind of a two-part bumper season preview episode because we couldn't just jam it all into one episode. That would just be too easy. Um, so what we've done is we're going to break it up into two parts. And joining me for the first part, uh, Jack is back for the new season. Jack, hello. Welcome. How hello. are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah, um, I think we have to start with the great news. Amy Sims, friend of the podcast, just been given the women's team uh, captaincy with Hannah Ward taking on club captain role. Yeah, very happy for yeah, Amy, so, Jack. Very happy yeah, for Amy. That's I'm glad you told me that. Right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely uh, buzzing. Huge. Absolutely buzzing for Amy. She's been a great supporter of ours, and she's obviously a, a fantastic uh, player and servant to Derby County. So we wish Amy all the best, Jack. Hmm. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've spoken to Amy on here. Yeah, she's just, you know, she's smashing it. And it's a great next step for someone who is a Derby fan as well. It's nice to have a fan who's a great player and, uh, you know, taking the armband. Yeah, great player, great person, someone who balances work, life, education, and playing football, as well as being a great human. That's not easy to do most of the time. Um, but she was already vice captain. And now with Derby County women entering the new dawn of being fully under the men's banner. Congratulations to Amy. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to get her on soon. And we have Jack with us, what I think is another friend of the podcast. I know he's another friend of the podcast. He's someone mm-hmm. I like to call my friend. Uh, he listens to it on his daily runs, probably multiple times a day. It's none other than Derby County fan and former Derby County journalist for The Athletic uh, and friend of podcast, Ryan Conway. Ryan, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Thank you so very much for that glowing introduction, Corey. Uh, wildly inaccurate because I don't run. Uh, 
but I but I am a I am a friend of the, I am a friend of the podcast and seeing you guys grow you know from the first time I was on it you sort of way back when seeing you guys grow it's you know it's been great to watch and 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 be a, a tiny part of so yeah it's uh, this has been a year in the making because when I checked the uh, email chain earlier I think you requested me to come on the show on the fourth of July last year <laughs> and. Um, you know, we've had we've been keeping in, in constant communication. This was always going to happen. It was just when it was going to to happen. So great to finally be back on the show, man. And and Ryan, one of the things that I think took a while to get sorted, and I would like to open the podcast by asking you a personal question, uh, not not too personal, but kind of personal. Um, first of all, I'd just like to say I was absolutely buzzing for you earlier this summer uh, because you got married. Congratulations on your nuptials. Um, What's life like being a married man? And this is a family podcast. I'm just kidding. You can, whatever, but you want to divulge. Um, and then, you know, at the same time, how nervous were you going into your wedding day? Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so very much. Um, yeah, just hats off to, to my wife who did an incredible job of, of like, you know, organizing, you know, the, so many things that, you know, things that, that I didn't even was like, wait, we need to do that. We need a thing for that. We need to order that. We need to just things that, you know, I, I, I guess, I guess I took for granted that would just kind of be a part of the day. And, you know, without, without my wife being the, the entire backbone of, of the operation, it would have, it would have never, it would have not have been, it would not have been a success without, without her, certainly not if I was handed the, the reins. So yeah, she, she just did an amazing job. Um, you know, I, I just tried to help and support and play my part you know, where, where, where I could. And yeah, the day itself, um, I was super relaxed going into, going into the wedding or as, you know, all the way through the process, I was super relaxed about it, you know, because uh, at its core, you know, no matter what the day looked like, you know, in terms of, you know, if it could, could have been a hundred thousand guests at just me and her, it could have been, you know, beaming sunshine. It could have been pouring with rain at its core. I was getting married to the, to the woman that I loved the most. So I was always super relaxed about it. And then the morning of the wedding, I could not have been more stressed out. Um, I I remember waking up at seven o'clock uh, in the in the morning and was stressing over um, spilling coffee down my shirt. I was stressing over like nicking myself with a, with a razor while, while while shaving. You know, quick quick last minute clean up around the beard and stuff like that. I was um, the the printer in the hotel broke, so I couldn't print off my 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 best man uh, not my best man speech my my groomsman speech. And um, so I, I spent about half an hour writing it by by hand on a blank piece of paper. It was about four sheets of A4 in the end. And yeah, I, I was so stressed out and, you know, and but then, you know, the moment came and she walked down the aisle and, I, you know, I saw her and it all just it all just went away. So, yeah, it was yeah, it's been it was wonderful. And the last sort of four to uh, eight to nine weeks have, have been have been amazing. And I'm I'm so happy for you, Ryan. I'm really pleased that um, you know, you you found your soulmate, you you've you've took the leap, um, everything like that. Because I know, you know, we've been we've been talking over several years and things like that. And I know, you know, you've written pieces on mental health and different things and 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 whatever. And I'm just so pleased for you. You said that, you know, you saw us grow as a podcast. I'm so pleased of seeing you grow as a as a as a journalist and as a person. Um, and it's just, I was so, I was absolutely buzzing when you said you were getting married and then keeping tabs on it. So congratulations to you Thank and you the so. missus for putting up with you. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, 
yes yeah, some, sometimes when like derby are on or i'm doing a derby thing which obviously the last year has been often with the with the book or if, if i put derby on the telly oh what the, again another one <laughs> that's not, it's, a, it's a way of life now it's you, you've married into it now, <laughs> now you just got to watch only fools and horses with her so me and my dad huge fans of that um so early you know uh, early references at the minute go over ahead so you know we'll figure it out <laughs> we'll, we'll get there we'll get there so, Ryan, I want to talk to you a little bit because the dawn of the new season is coming around the way here. Um, and for me, when I look at preseason as a whole, you look at Derby County's results. They've not lost a game yet. I know there was the draw with with Matlock in there. I don't believe they've lost a game yet. Um, but I don't really look at results because I really particularly don't care that much in preseason because it doesn't matter. Because it's all about getting fitness. It's all about getting minutes. It's all about figuring out whatever style Paul Warren wants to play or multiple styles, getting new players through the door, getting them gel. So instead of looking at individual results, Ryan, going into the last game against Sheffield, which I do would, which I am interested in looking at a little bit more closely, because you're going to see a little bit more tactics, probably who's going to start on opening day, how things are going to shake out and things like that. What stood out to you so far this preseason for the games that have happened so far? That wasn't very well worded. Yeah, I think, I think you're, you're, you're correct in your assertion that sort of preseason matters as much as you want it to matter. It matters as much or as little as you want it to matter. You know, we've had um, pre-seasons where we've not won a game and then come into the season and everything's been fine. You know, we've had pre-seasons where we've not lost a game and then come into the season it's been dreadful. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, that that can that can happen. That that happens at all levels of football. So I, I always say about preseason is it matters as much or as little as you want it to matter. You can take as much or as little as you want it to. The main things are. You want fitness in the bank. You want to see what kind of system we're going to be working with. Particularly important this year because it's the first preseason that Paul Warren has had with the with the team. Obviously, last preseason under Liam, everything was kind of thrown thrown together. And I think um, the thing that has stood out to me, the one thing that I keep coming back to that has stood out to me is um, is is this year under Paul Warren more so than last year is the fullbacks are going to be providing a lot of dynamism, you know, down down those flanks. And um, I think the team as a whole will will benefit from that. But I think the main benefactor might be James Collins. And those those fullbacks are so important because when you look at how Derby operated last year, when trying to use that sort of five three two three five two, however you want to call it, but with a with wing backs in, as part of the system, when you look at how that played out, at times it was fine, but you knew it was always um, stopgap because you got you know Corey Smith who can play. At right wing back, you don't want him to play there. Um, you know, Louis Sibley at times playing at full back. You don't want Louis Sibley playing at full back. Jason Knight sometimes was 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 chipping in there. We know Jason Knight has played kind of here, there, and everywhere, and that's fine. But at some stage, you need guys that are just specialists in in those positions, and it's not it, it, you know because there are just certain things that a natural full back knows positionally having been drilled in it for years and years and years and years and have got those mental reps as it were over years and years and years that Corey Smith does not have or that Craig Forsyth if he's forced to play out there does not have because he doesn't have the legs anymore. I think with the additions that they have made in those areas and, and Paul Wands by the sounds of it still wants still wants one more. But when when you look at um Callum Elder and um Joe Ward um you know, Kane Wilson, um, these dynamic fullbacks who are really gonna really gonna stretch you. Um, I think 
that is going to be a big a big feature on um, of the of 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 the team. And I think I think they'll be more, much more much more direct under under Liam. Obviously, and, and direct is not a, a dirty word. You know that doesn't mean kick and rush, whatever it is. Direct means they're going to try and get the ball from front to back as quickly as possible, whether that's on the ground or through the air. They're, they're not going to be messing around here. Um, under Liam, sometimes it could it, it felt a lot like um, you know guys had you know ten passes, and it, it kind of felt a little bit like Phillips football, which was to be of no surprise. And they they played a lot. That will not be the case under 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 Warren. It's going to be direct down the flanks and quality deliveries into the into the box. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think and I've just seen something this afternoon, uh Paul Wong's interview, where he has t- spoken a little bit about the system. He's also so he's spoken about Liam Thompson being away on loan, then getting injured, wanting to play Thompson's combat, been thrown at left wing back out of necessity. And he's impressed him because he's talking about wing back as the position of death. This is something he said before, but he's talked about right wing back crossing and he wants a left wing back in the box. When the opposition attack, wing backs need to be back in their own box. And having this dynamism is key to his entire system, really. And this is where the likes of Joe Ward coming in, who are more natural in these fullback wing back roles. Definitely wing back for Ward. He doesn't he doesn't like being called a right back, does he? There's there's all but sorts. They, of... they announced him as a right sided player, which to me said, okay, he's going to play right midfield. He'll play right wing back. He'll play right. Yes, wing. he will play up and down the right side as as and when when needed. Yeah, he will play anywhere on that right flank. I would be a little bit surprised if he plays in that. If we play the same system that we played at the end of last season with the two players kind of behind the striker. I wouldn't expect him to be on the right of that. I expect some, you know, somebody to be in there, but even even that could happen. And he's a bit wide because he is naturally slightly, you know, likes with, you know, from what we what we've been told, likes to play, play wide, get across in. But yeah, he will play anywhere down that right hand side. And his deliveries have been key in pre-season and indicate something that was missing last year that we hope comes from any new fullbacks or wingers or whoever comes in, in that the strikers need service. I, th- I think an- another another element of of that is it's not just the just the fullbacks; it's the centre backs that's been brought in as well. Um, yes, you know that that centre back cupboard had a big clear out at the end of last season, and while it was perhaps emotionally devastating to have Richard Stearman and Curtis Davis leave, obviously James Chester as well, who never never really happened for him, but but certainly Stearman and Davis leave, and um, that change needed to happen because what needs to happen if you're going to play those wing backs in those back three is you need those centre backs to be comfortable in wide areas and. You do not want Curtis Davis going into wide areas. You do not want Richard Stearman going into wide areas. That is not criticisms of those players. That is looking at them going, they're 37, they're 35, however old Richard Stearman is. You don't want them running into the running into channels. Now, you know, Curtis Nelson and, and Sonny Bradley, they're no spring chickens, but they've got much, you know, they've got younger legs. Bradley has at times played at left back, so he's comfortable shuttling to those areas when the full backs are, are, are going forward. It, you know, you can... You can see the signings being made with the system in with the system in mind, and that isn't you know that doesn't mean that there that there won't be that there won't be challenges, but but 
there is a clear thread running through the recruitment strategy of what they want of what they want to to do. It's going okay. We need wing backs, right? Well, when the wing back goes forward, who is going to vacate? Who is going to go into that space? They vacate. It's going to be the centre back. Okay, cool. We need centre backs who are comfortable going into those areas. Then Curtis Nelson and Sonny Bradley will be able to 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 do that. And of course, catching is still there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the Joe Ward was probably the most exciting signing that we. Uh, that we've made this this close season. I mean, he's he's a player who's been at Peterborough for five years. We know Peterborough. If the players are crap, they don't keep him around, <laughs> you know, all too long. He was always somebody that looked like he had something about him, and I think he can be a, an incredibly dangerous dangerous player on the right-hand side. We saw what Mendez Lang did dropping down a division last season where he terrified defenses with his pace. He got a little burned out in the last third of the season. Understandably, he's now a Guatemalan international fair play to Nathaniel Mendez Lang. So hopefully he comes back and refresh, but it'll be good to have another right-sided threat. So you don't have to rely on Mendez Lang for 42, 43, 44-odd games week in and week out. You can maybe spell him and have Ward do some of the running. And then a couple of weeks, Ward doesn't have to push on as much because Mendez Lang's there. It's going to be interesting to see how those two playing on the correct, on the same side kind of interchange because you kind of have situations before um, where you can sometimes get a midfielder who kind of gets in the the, the way of the player ahead of them. We saw this at Liverpool uh, a few times where, you know, uh, Salah wasn't, Salah was blocking off the runs of, uh, it wasn't necessarily Alexander Arnold, but you'd see it sometimes in bigger games where, you know, Zinchenko's making a run and that doesn't allow Mares to go. So they can't necessarily play on the same side or Mares is there and it, it stops Zinchenko from City a couple of years ago from making those runs. So it'd be interesting to see how that relationship continues to develop. And Ryan, you mentioned dynamism and that's what I want to talk about next because, you're a very active man on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, not Twitter on X. Uh, and I'm, you know, the podcast is very relatively active on, on X, whatever, whatever X is. Uh, sorry, Elon, if you're listening to it, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not calling it that. Whatever you want, yeah. I'm not I'm calling it Twitter. <laughs> um, there's been a need because David McGoldrick has departed and he scored an absolute screamer at Knott's County and Darby fans were like, oh, whatever, we've got James Collins, whatever, while they're secretly eating a tub of Ben Jerry's in the bathtub, crying a little bit to themselves. Um, I'm shocked because I, in a way I'm shocked and in a way I'm not. Darby need to replace, what, 25-odd goals from David McGoldrick and about 15, 15 assists. But we know that strikers cost money. We know that, you know, we're not going to afford Killian Mbappe's 19 pound a minute salary. That he's just not going to come to Derby. I'm sorry. Um, it's difficult to get a striker in to score goals because they cost money and the better ones are playing above league one level. But we have James Collins who was here last season and he scored what? What did he score, Jack? About 15 goals, uh, roughly about 15 he, goals he last got a, season. He got 11 in league. In league in yeah, the league. so 11, yes. which, is, which yeah. is nothing really to be stuffed at. That's a pretty solid return. But when you sign a player like Joe Ward, that might just awaken James Collins to to hit 20, to hit 25. Maybe Ward is the puzzle piece that makes Collins click. Ryan, how do you view the, the striker situation before we talk about potential people who might come in the door here? Um, how do you view the striker situation and James Collins and then his relationship with the signing of Joe Ward? Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, going back to David McGoldrick um, and you know, have made the point so much, made the point so much at the end of last season. Um, he was playing out of his mind. Um, the the level of production that he was getting was incredible. Um, you know, 25 goals, seven assists. Um, that is 
that's a phenomenal return for a 35-year-old striker who, you know, there were questions asked if he still had it in his legs. You know, that, that could he still do it at 35 at, at that level? And, you know, I think the answer is emphatically yes. And I don't really blame him for going back home, effectively. He knows that he has got more games behind him than in front of him. He, You know, that opportunity might not have come up next year for Notts County. You, you know, you... You, it's not easy to go out. Ah, you could have gone next season, give it one more stab at Derby. That might not have presented itself. You can't resent him for that. Um, you know, if Derby had been um, a bit more consistent in the back half of the or the back third of the season, they'd have made the playoffs and and who knows what happens with with all the goals that he he produced. Um, so yeah, his production was otherworldly. And the concern was always going to be, okay, now how do you replicate that production? Are you going to try and do it with one player or are you going to try and make up the production in the aggregate? And I felt it was always going to be the second one. And I kind of tweeted that the way I tweeted it made it sound like I I didn't believe they should have done that. It's just that when you try and make up the production in the aggregate, I think more things have to go right for you, right? There's more variable factors at play because you're trying to make it up with several pieces. And if three three of the four pieces you're trying to make it up with are having inconsistent form, that's going to be a problem. Um, however, one of the things I've, I've noticed in, in pre-season, I'm not really taking much out of one goal against Matlock where the cross was good and the run was good, but but um, James Jay, uh, Collins's return, James Collins's return was was not nothing to be to be to be sniffed at at all. You know, it was frustrating to watch him waste a lot of chances, but but eleven goals, sort of one in four, as as a second striker to McGoldrick in terms of not the position he played as the second striker, but just down the pecking order as a second striker. Um, it's it's not it's not a terrible return. Now, um, I think he stands to be the main benefactor of the wing of the full backs coming in because I think um he there might not be as many crosses going in, but he can do more with better quality crosses. You know, you can you know you can do more with better quality of of, of service. He always got in the right positions. Um, it was the finishing that was suspect at, at times, but with now the correct service going, and you could see him sometimes as well. He kind of stood there waiting for a cross, waiting for a cross, because you don't have natural fullback. Sometimes they take a touch or they stop the ball, and then that you know it allows the you know it allows the defense to get back in, and then you know he's he's trying to fight off with two guys or or whatever or whatever it was. Um, whereas now you know they can you know they've got. The artillery to deliver crosses from all kinds of different angles, from all kinds of different with all kinds of different pace on the ball, and he can make he'll still make all the same kind of runs. I I think part of replacing McGoldrick's production is we could very well see James Collins hit twenty goals, uh, and I don't think that would be, you know, I know when you look back over his career total that it's a complete outlier. Well, David McGoldrick's career total, uh, sorry, his total this season was an outlier. I think the last time he had that was like 2007 when McGoldrick had more than like 15 goals. So this season was 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 an outlier. They they happen, but it just also shows that if you get the right system and foil around you, you can produce time and time and time again. And I think um, obviously for Collins as well, he went from playing in the system with Rossini where he was not suited to that system. You know, all right, it's all 12, 12 games, whatever Liam got, but he wasn't suited to it. He performed much better under, under Warren. Um, I think if he's going to be the guy and it looks like he's going to be the guy. Um, I think very much there's a chance that he does crack 20 goals. Now, is that going to be enough? Well, McGoldrick's 25 wasn't going to be enough. So you're still going to need Mendes Lang to chip in with 10, maybe. You know, you're going to need uh, Washington to have, 
you know, if Washington has the season that Collins has just had, where he gets 11, you probably go, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, and then if Ward can, can chip in with a few of his own and then you get some from, from, from the midfield. So, yeah, I think I think Collins stands to be the main ban- benefactor from the attacking outlook of, of this system. Um, it's just about he's got to stick those chances away. And, and, I, and I think, he, you know, he gets into enough positions where you think it's got to it's got to happen at some stage. Let's talk about two strikers' names who have been mentioned recently, Ryan, and then Jack. I'll turn to you to get your opinion as well. Um, Huddersfield striker Jordan Rhodes and and free agent striker former Derby County player Martin Waghorn, who we know has been training with the Rams, played wet Craig Forsyth's testimonial. Um, he was seen in a picture by somebody on Twitter that was like, hey, look, that looks like Martin Waghorn. Look at his boots. Look at his tattoo. Look at his haircut. It's the same. Could be Camille Josviak for all we know. He's not. He's in He's in Charlotte. Um, and Ryan, like I said, strikers cost money. Darby are in League One. That's, that's the reality that we're in. You're not going to get a prime age striker who scores 25, 30 goals at championship level for peanuts in League One. You're going to have to, you're going to have to try to find someone who, like you say, in the aggregate can chip in with five to 10 goals, maybe eight. You know, we've had Martin Waghorn here before. It's not like he necessarily was fantastic. Um, but he was serviceable and he's dropping down the division. And we know Jordan Rhodes has had an amazing record in the EFL over the years, but he's getting up there in age. But again, if McGoldrick could do it, why not Rhodes? What are your thoughts on potentially Jordan Rhodes and potentially Martin Waghorn? I would be more inclined to, I think I'd be more inclined. Oh man, that's tough. Okay, I'm going to preface this with going. It depends with what you want. As a pure as a pure player in a vacuum, without any, I think I'd be inclined to take Whitehall. Um, I, I I think he was frustrating to watch at, at times with with Derby in his first stint there. Um, you know, but but it was weird because he was also the top goal scorer. I think for two of the three, two of his last three seasons. Okay, the bar was low in one of them, but you know he got he got twelve goals in nineteen twenty, which was level with with Chris Martin. But he he gets his goals in bunches, you know. He would get sort of you know four in five, and then he wouldn't score in eight. <laughs> that's 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 frust- that's frustrating um, to to do. But he has he has position flexibility because he can play on the wingers as, as well. Um, I think he'd be a bit more like he'd be a bit more like in the mold of Washington, where he's going to press from the front a lot, and I think that's why Warren make, would make that sign is you can you can press from the front a lot, um, you know, take set pieces, you know, underrated free kick taker, uh, pretty good penalty taker, um, ice in his veins against Sheffield Wednesday. Or, <laughs> um, I, I would I would take it. John Rhodes is a different kind of striker than what Washington and and and, and Collins are. You know, he's classic like fox in a box type right he's he's just gonna hang around in the in the box and if a, if a you know goalkeeper spill or a rebound whatever it is he's gonna he's gonna get a toe on it and he's gonna find the net he's basically made a career of doing that and as you rightly pointed out has had a very successful career in in the in the, in the EFL by doing that consistently well um yeah strikers cost money I think Warren's comments um in terms of trying to get players in and reinvest in the Jason Knight money, which you know, sounds like it will be very limited in terms of how much of that money will be will be reinvested in the squad. Yeah, you are going to have to try and get a loan or a, or a or a free transfer, and 
those two are as good a free transfers that are out there right now that are realistic for Derby, you know, on, on the market. I wouldn't be miserable with, with either one of those. And, you know, they've had a little bit of success getting them, you know, Kazim Richards a couple of years ago came in as a as a free, didn't score a lot of goals, but the ones he got were, were important. McGoldrick and Collins were, were free, you know, last year and, and again did did really, really well. So they've got they've got a decent track record of getting really good production out of um aging strikers. <laughs> and you know, you might have to go back to that well one one more time. I I wouldn't be disappointed with with either. I think I think maybe Rhodes just for squad versatility might be the the, the better play in terms of what they are maybe seeking. Um, but I think Wycorn is probably the better pure player. It's just, I think, you know, you're not going to play him out right because now you've got Mendes Lang and, and, and Ward there. And I think as a as a striker down down the middle, he's maybe a bit too similar to, to Washington. But I would, um, I, I also will say, I, I thought Wycombe was really underappreciated at, at, at Derby. I think so much of what he did, you know, um, didn't go in a in a in a stat sheet. I thought he was was really underappreciated. That isn't to say that he was fantastic. You know, his goal return should have been a lot better, but I thought he was underappreciated. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at either one at either one of those. It it's a picky flavor. It depends what one would want, and I think either of those coming in would be, you know option guys, you know, they're not going to be starting week in, week out. It's sort of, you know, you're 1-0 down and need to try and nick a draw in a scrappy game, chuck Jordan Rhodes in and let's just see if you can sniff something out in the box. That that kind of that kind of vibe. Or I was just looking at the numbers here. We got two million roughly for Jason Knight. You could hire Killing Mbappe for one day and then maybe six hours. So, you know, you could get Mbappe in for a game. Just see what that does. See what that does for you. Based off of the the Saudi numbers that he was offered. Jack, where do you fall on the on the striker situation? Waghorn, Rhodes, nobody, both people, neither. I mean, first of all, Mbappe, you know, final day, you know, there's a <laughs> crucial six-pointer. Oh, wait, transfer window. But, um, yeah, I mean, Waghorn, he, you know, what, what again, what Warren said today is you're talking about fans spotting him. And, yeah, he's talking about fans being like MI5. But he's saying, you know, he trained and played the game on Tuesday that was behind closed doors uh, against Huddersfield. And what he would, you know, it's one of those where there might be something for him, there might not, is what Paul Warren said. What he would offer is work rate and pressing, as Ryan said. It is not dissimilar to Washington. The other other advantage with him is he knows, I mean, this is something that's a cliche, often overused, he knows this club and the you know, some players in the squad, he's local. You know, could he slot into the group more easily than Jordan Rhodes? Kind of like a Sam Baldock, where we brought Baldock in on a on a deal till January or something. Yeah, on the right on the right terms, the right contract, he could be an option. That being said, yeah, he's similar to Washington and Jordan Rhodes offers you something different, proven goal scorer. Um, you know, obviously not so much the last few years, but it, that, as, as Ryan said, that's what's out there. I think if you've got, you know, if you're looking at them and thinking they're not good enough, that's kind of irrelevant because we need another striker for depth. If there's 
nobody that people think could, if, if you look at it thinking there's no one good enough out there then you've got to take the best one of a bad bunch and who knows they might surprise you know look at the players we got last summer look at as Brian said the likes of Chasing Richards how many times have people written players off before before they even start I think we definitely need another striker because we've got we've got two and he wants to play with two and I think I think when you go down the veteran I think when Jack when you go down the veteran route either Jordan Rhodes Martin Waghorn whatever for me personally I think it's very difficult you know, I'm sure Warren's going to work the loan market. You know, Ryan, I saw your tweet the other day where essentially there's three phases to this squad, right? There's the there's the opening window, the second window, and then how it kind of rounds out in the end. And, you know, going to get a Premier League loan player or going to get a championship loan player, let's say it's a striker or something like that, it would be immensely difficult to chuck that individual in at 18, 19, 20 years old who hasn't necessarily played a full season in men's football, who doesn't have a consistent track record to sit there and expect them to chip in with, you know, eight goals or something like that. Because, you know, Will Asula came highly rated. He didn't necessarily pull up any trees. Lewis Dobbin came highly rated from Everton. He didn't necessarily pull up any trees. Tony Springett came highly rated from Norwich. I know he's not a striker. He's a winger. I understand. But again, it's not like he set the world on fire. And even in a completely different position, Harvey White last season was good. I think there was some some factors that kind of hampered White's development a little bit in terms of how he were trying to push and things like that. But again, didn't necessarily have the desired impact that you wanted to have. So, you know, if people sit here and go, well, we should be targeting this, this, and this. Yeah, we should be doing that. But in matter of fact, we're a League One team. We're shopping at a League One supermarket. You know, you're not going to go to, 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 wait, to Waitrose to do your shopping when you're Darby County. You're going to, you know, Aldi or Lidl. That's not a disrespect to them. They're great grocery stores. I'm just saying, like, you're, you're going down, you know, it's like you're going to the gas station conveniences at the Little Chef. You know, it's like, Ryan, you and your wife go out for a dinner date. It's like you're going to the Little Chef at the M- on the M1 motorway at whatever junction instead of going to Brewer's Fair, which I thoroughly enjoy. You know what I mean? It's it, it's a different, you're shopping at a different market. You're shopping in a different neighborhood. You're shopping in a different, you know, restaurant for different things. So, you know, would they be the worst options? No. I still believe that Darby need a bit of depth. I think that depth is going to come from the loan market. You know, Warren had a couple of loan signings last year. We've just been through them, didn't necessarily hit the ground running. So we need a little bit more depth. I think it's going to be interesting because I still feel like, guys, I don't know if you get this impression, it still feels kind of a slow transfer market. It still feels like it's not exactly heated up yet. I mean, it is if you're in Saudi Arabia because you just buy everybody with their 17 billion pound transfer budget, whatever. Need to buy a few Derby players for that and give us like six billion. That'd be great. Um, uh, Max Burr, there you go. You can have him for six billion. That'd be fantastic. That would that would that would go a long way. Um, and that, that would be the, the only bid I would accept. Anything yes. Yeah. 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 Six billion. No, six billion in a pound, right? <laughs> six billion in one pound. Like the Luis Suarez. Right. Yeah. I, I think I think you I think you correctly identify sort of the the big pros and cons of of sort of. You get one set of fans, you know, of most teams basically going, let's get the experience in. The experience that has been here at League One level before, at X level before, let's get the experience in. And, you know, it's, um, produ- you know, it's, it's goals, it's assists, it's production that we know has already existed compared to, no, no, let's bring the young lads in. They're hungry, they're dynamic, they're this, they're that, they're that. The, 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 tr- the, the, the trade off is always sort of what what trade-off can you live with? Because the trade-off of the dynamism of the young players, as you identified with Dobbins and uh, Dobbin and Asula, was they were raw. They were so raw. And 
when you're we didn't think you know we didn't think there'd be this level of aggressive playoff push you know i was thinking you know let's get in the top 10 and stabilize but once it once you realize this playoff push at one point a push for for automatic promotion that 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 rawness of those young players hurts you it costs you points you know arsene wenger um said that young players are going to cost you points they're going to cost you games it's can you live with that that's the question you need to ask is that young players a young player young striker if you bring him in on the free transfer market on loan if you see one in the academy that you think can, you can boost up that young striker is probably going to miss a chance that costs you the game it costs you a point it costs you three points can you live with that can you live with them doing that three four five six times a season while they learn on the job you know we saw that when you know Sibley Bird and Knight were all young young much younger players being thrust into that spotlight at times they're going to cost you that's the trade-off the trade-off of signing a, a 33-year-old John Rhodes or a 32-year-old Martin Wycorn is, yeah, they're probably not going to be for the long term and they're not going to do your average age any good and um, you're, you're probably going to have to pay a bit more because they're established pros, but they've been there, they've done that. You know, John Rhodes is, you know, he's, I think he's I think he's only scored about 15 goals in the last five seasons um, combined. Um, all, at, all at championship level, you, you sort of ask yourself the question, well, at League One level, similar to a McGoldrick, would that five turn into 10, turn into 12, maybe? Maybe. Um, Martin Wycorn, again, since he left Arby's, he's kind of not had the greatest time of it. You know, he suffered quite a bit with injury at Coventry. I think he had a hamstring and then like a shoulder problem that kept him out for a while. You know, Huddersfield, he was sort of in and out of the in and out of the team, again, battling injuries. But you know what you're going to get with, with Wycorn. The question you ask is, is what is what Martin Wycorn brings and I get better than that with the resources that I have or that we have as a as a, as a club. And those resources are, um, well, as David Clark said, they're not minimal. It's a good budget, you know, a good budget that he believes is good enough to get us out of the division. But it's still a budget. You still have to play within within the framework of the budget. And as you mentioned, the striker is going to be one of the most important pieces to get. It's going to be one of the most expensive pieces to get and, if one is coming out and saying we have to do free transfers or, or loans, okay, if that's the playground that we're playing in, is Martin Wycorn the best option? Is John Rhodes the best option? Is the trade-off for that, okay, does your average age balloons, you might have to pay a little bit more in the wage structure? Or do you want the kid who is raw as heck and then when a crucial game comes and they miss the chance, you've got a more experienced striker puts that away, you go, well, that, that's the trade-off. That is the trade-off. And, and like you said there with the budget question as well, Ryan, which I don't, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a transfer budget either. It could just be a wage budget. He might be like, Hey, I'm going to give you 50 grand a week to spend on wages, but you get no money to spend on the things. But if you want to spend a hundred thousand here, your wage budget here, and it's kind of like, again, I'm not, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to try yeah, to do? So yeah, it's not yeah, necessarily course, saying that, that there's money in the coffers to spend on a transfer fee. It might just be wages. Yeah. Of course that, that budget might be. Five million pounds. Well, that five million pounds has to get you everything. It has to get you, yeah. the, you know, as, as you said, it has to be the fees for the players, the wages for the players. You know, the, the the budget, as you said, it doesn't. That doesn't specifically mean that's what you've got purely for transfers and wages. We'll sort out later. That just means that's the budget. That's your that's your lot for wages and for for, for transfer fees. So yeah, and I think you know ultimately, the club is still treading carefully, and they are right to do that because you know it's it's great sort of you know football is such a, a a fast turnaround it's great to look at last season and think oh man we were so close right with an aggressive push with a this that we can crack it 
that's what got that's what got this club in a lot of trouble the last time is going, ah, we were so close, you know what, with an aggressive push, we can crack it, we can do it. That's what got the club to the point where it was nearly extinct. So I think, you know, trying to chase that dragon almost, it it, it isn't worth it. You have to still build with a long-term vision and goal in in mind. And 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 part of that at this window was getting younger, you know, getting rid of of players who were in the mid to late thirties, and going, okay, where can we get a bit younger here? You know, where, where can we start planning and preparing for for the future? And you know, they've done that at the at, at the back. You know, starting with with at the at the back there. So, you know, there is there is a planning, there is still a plan in place to secure a competitive team, and also to secure that 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 Derby are run sensibly with a sensible squad, with a well balanced and well adjusted squad. So yeah, and as you mentioned, there's still a lot of the window to go. So there's 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 time. Ryan, before we finish, I've got a couple more questions for you. I'm gonna put you on the spot here because I was asked this question a couple of weeks ago on the spot, and I've been thinking about it because it's I've been trying to I've been trying to go either way. Give me three reasons why Derby County will be successful this th- this season, and three re- reasons why they will not be successful. Uh. Okay, these aren't in ranking order. I'm just going to give you the... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm not going to ask you to rank. That would be, that'd be like way too, way too complex. Um, the, the first one is um, Paul Warren is obviously proven at this level as a manager and he's got a, um, you know, full preseason under his under his belt with the, with the correct squad. Um, second reason is um, the budget, as David Clather said, is a good budget. So they've got the ammunition to go into the, the market and bolster the squad as required to, you know, get them ready for a for a hopefully a, a really good playoff push. Um, and the third one is the players that are already there are quality players. You know, the squad does need tinkering with, but Max Bird, Connor Horahan, Nathaniel Mendes Lang. Um, um, why can't I remember the name of the goalkeeper? <laughs> Wild Smith. Thank you, Joel Wildsmith. Um, you know, Aaron Cashin. Um, you know, these are these are all still. Very, very good players, you know, at the, the core of the squad. So th- there are three reasons why they'll, they'll be successful. Why they won't be successful? Um, not enough goals. Don't replace McGoldrick's production. Um, why won't they be? Why, 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 what might hinder them from from success? You always say injuries. Injuries is always one. If they get a bad, if they get a bad run of of, of injuries, um, may, maybe. Maybe there's there's a lot of turnover at the at the back defensively. Maybe if they aren't as tight defensively because it just takes them too long to gel. I think you know, and they concede a, you know a fair amount of amount of goals. I think that might be something that, that that hampers them, particularly if at one end they're struggling to score the goals and at the other end they're trying to gel. So therefore, you concede in more goals. I think that that might be a that might be a hindrance as as well. Um. So yeah, not 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 enough goals up front. Maybe conceding too many goals while they gel while they gel at the back. And uh, injuries as as a as a throwing mark. Fair enough, and and we're gonna switch uh we're gonna switch brainwaves now, Ryan, from Derby County to to you because I have a couple of questions I want to ask you. Would you rather have arms the size of your legs, or legs the size of your arms? Uh, I'd rather have arms the size of my legs, either. So you just walk around with like super long arms? Yeah, easy. Easy because uh, as well, like you know, I, I used to do a lot of cycling, so you know, I'm pretty you know, from like my legs are pretty decent shape, but my arms are like noodle arms, so yeah, I'd easily easily have like legs for 
arms. Arm you should you should arms. go uh, you should go personal train with Miles Addison. He'll teach you he'll teach you how to how to get the noodle arms <laughs> taken care of. Um, what's your guilty pleasure show? Whether it's on Netflix or whatever, like are you like a Love Island guy secretly, but you're not going to tell anybody? This is your opportunity to tell the world what Ryan Conway's you know guilty you know, pleasure you know, show. Is. You know, right? It, it started it started as a guilty pleasure, but I can't even lie. I absolutely love this show. So when me and my wife first started dating. Um, she introduced me to this show called 90 Day Fiance, right? Genuinely, one of the most incredible things I've ever watched in my entire life, right? And I started watching it and I was like, man, I'm not sure about this. And, you know, I'm just doing this because I like, I like this, you know, I like this woman. So, you know, you do it. And then genuinely, after about three weeks of watching it, I was, I was way more invested than I had any right to be. And it is a staple, like it is the backbone of our relationship, watching 90 Day Fiance on a, on a Sunday or a Monday. Absolutely love that. Show. Absolutely love that show. Have you ever seen Love Is Blind on Netflix? No, I've you not. have to. You have to watch that if you want to see. Th- that will hook you in. That is, I, I guess, that's a guilty pleasure show because it's one of those shows that you watch. Like I watch it, and then I'm sitting there, and I'm like debating my life choices about how I got on this path and like why I'm on this path. But then you just have to accept it, man. You, have, you can't to, turn yeah. it off because yeah. you're like, I'm so invested now in this relationship. I have to see how it how it ends but essentially the essential premise is that these two individuals meet up and they have dates but they never see each other and they never touch each other they're just in separate like cubicles and so they just have these intense like emotional conversations and then at the end they propose to each other to see if they can get married based off like an emotional connection and then at the end after they propose then i get to see you this is wild right this is this is what I'm saying. This is what you and your wife need to watch. If not tonight, then tomorrow. Because there's like four seasons and it's like it's like mental and it's great because it's great drama. It just sucks you in. It's complete trash TV, which is ideal. But you know, it's like also you just like, man, societally, this is just hilarious. Like this is just people going it. You know, they're like, Oh my God, you looked at that other girl in a bikini. It's like, yeah, because I've only known you like two weeks. I'm sorry. She walked past me. There's nothing I can do. It's, it's just yeah when, when i when i started watching the the when i started watching nine day films with my wife i was like it like humans are incredible for all the for all the best and worst reasons we are incredible as a species no i'm going to i'm gonna i'm gonna tweet you the trailer and then you have to you have to watch it and then when you come out the hidey hole like six weeks later and you look like Gollum from lord of the rings you're like that was the greatest four weeks of my life then you can you can text me and say thank you for enlightening me on on love is blind Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us, Jack. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we look forward to, we'll look forward to, to seeing your growth continue, Jack, as you enter your foundation year at uni and continue to write the blogs and appear on the podcast. We're so grateful to have you, to have you part of the team. And Ryan, I hope this isn't the only time we get to speak this year. I hope we get to speak uh, at semi-regular intervals as life will allow because stuff happens uh, and things like that. But Ryan Conway, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to help us preview the season. No problem. Thank you so much for having me back on, guys. And uh, yeah, we'd love to be on throughout the season. So Rams fans, we'll stay tuned for part two of our season season preview episode extravaganza uh, in the coming days. Uh, the only thing to say until now is up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review 1 
Our Facebook is Rams Review Podcast, or you can drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, up the Rams.